0: Um, good afternoon everyone Uh, i'm just uh, taking off from where i had stopped after i received information on the chat uh, that you weren't able to hear my voice Um, and i'm on page nine and um, that's the second paragraph and uh, i was talking about ambrose uh, you know being a boy who's always off the track and uh, you know there is something symbolic even in his being off the track because uh, he uh, is you know even when he's off the track, uh, there is deep introspection and understanding uh, of the self he is engaged with. Even when on the outside it looks like he, uh, you know, is is just getting lost somewhere. And look at the line, uh, the third line of the paragraph. It says he strayed into it. Okay, we're talking of the funhouse. Although we know that they haven't come into the funhouse as yet. That will come later. But uh, you you understand. You know how bath is moving forward, backward in time, you know, because the plot is not linear at all. So he says he strayed into it by some one in a million chance, like the time the roller coaster car left the tracks in the 19-teens against all the laws of physics and sailed over the broad walk in the dark. Okay, So uh, strange things happen with Ambrose. Okay. and he was in this roller coaster and you know it was a one in a million chance when it just went uh, you know it went all over the place and it sailed over the boardwalk in the dark okay so um, it, strange and unusual things happened to Ambrose and uh, it it's not you know, it's not coincidental. Yes, uh, there is something larger to be able to understand the character of Ambrose. Okay. Now, uh, remember, uh, uh, Peter is, you know, both Peter and Ambrose sort of have a thing for Magda. But you know, Peter is more, uh, you know, he's older, and he's more mature in, uh, you know, physically. And he, uh, you know, in I, I didn't, i'm um, since I'm not taking every line, it's difficult to do that. He, you know, was, uh Uh, you know, teasing Magda with names of children that they would have. And I told you that role play is a very important part of this um, story. Okay, Uh, And, uh, you know, see that line in the middle of the paragraph, you know, Peter did this naming their children thing as a joke, making up names like Aloysius and Mercatroyd. But Ambrose knew exactly how it would feel to be married and have children of your own. So you see, Peter is, um, uh, you know, as compared to Ambrose, he's more into making jokes of having children and a family. But Ambrose is more, uh, uh, you know, serious and see the use of the word exactly in italics and you know he's imagining how it would be to be married to have a family uh you know to have children of your own and be a loving husband and father and go comfortably to work in the mornings and to bed with your wife at night and wake up with her there all right so he's almost um you know, imagining a life that he had, uh, you know, with a woman, uh, you know, in his later life, okay. Uh, Although Magda was probably the first, uh, uh, you know, experience that he had. And you see towards the middle of the paragraph, whether Magda was his wife or not, one evening when he was wise-lined and grey at the temples, he'd smile gravely, okay. And Uh, you know, and this would remind him of his youthful passion, the time they went out with his family to Ocean City, the erotic fantasies he used to have about her. So he says, you know, even in later life, you know, when he has the comfort of a, uh, you know, of a, uh, of a home and he's married, he'd always remember Magda, you know, as a part of his erotic fantasies. And you see all these words in italics, okay, drawing a, a kind of a, a deliberate attention although we know italics have that kind of a, a purpose yes but we know that uh, you know baths has made it to uh, so clear to us right in the beginning in the first paragraph itself okay so he says he'd always uh, remember her as that kind of first experience okay and uh, you see on the uh, you know the last uh, third line of the paragraph even then he had felt wise beyond his years I guess remember that experience that he had uh, you know with her when they were playing niggers and masters and you know after some time there's a reference to how he was looking at um, everything in a very cognitive manner uh, you know uh, the things that were around him okay which show that uh, you know that sexual experience of course was uncomfortable he did not enjoy it but uh, he uh, you know there is a certain detachment about Ambrose which you will see in the next paragraph as well so he says even then he had felt wise beyond his years he'd stroked her hair and said in his deepest voice and correctest English as to a dear child I shall never forget this moment okay so uh, that becomes almost like you know a dramatic kind of a uh, description about Magda uh, giving him his first sexual experience and uh, you know although obviously he understands you know that it's not going to be long term it's not going to be uh, you know he may not be married to Magda but yet Uh, she's going to be within that uh, template of the first experience, okay? And he says, uh, I'm always going to remember that, uh, you know, because of the erotic fantasies that he had about her, okay? So Magda, um, you know, being a a very important presence in the whole story, even though the story is about Ambrose, but you'd notice that all physical descriptions about adults and about all the others are, you know, sort of deliberately, uh, you know, either uh, very diluted or almost invisible. Just yes, remember the description about the mother, and nothing else is really told uh, to us about her. Okay, just that you know to describe her as being pretty would be some kind of um, uh, you know disservice, or it wouldn't be an engaging idea. Okay, and then uh, in the next paragraph, just look at um, uh, the description about um, uh, you know about Ambrose. Okay, but though he had breathed heavily. Groaned as if ecstatic. What he'd really felt throughout was an odd detachment, as though someone else were master. Okay, so uh, there is this odd detachment which he has, and that's probably the 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 crux of the personality of Ambrose. Okay, and as though someone else were master. And remember uh, the master here with capital, taking us back to that early experience of niggers and masters. Yes, in which Magdal looks for clemency and. Uh, uh, she does, did it in a way which was uh, you know very unusual and very new and very very uh, you know surprising for Ambrose okay so he has an odd detachment very much like uh, you know what Bath as a narrator as a writer is trying to do through his work okay this detachment and yet this involvement that he tries to bring about with the people who are reading the story okay and then um you know he talks about uh, you know the different kinds of machines and the different kind of uh, uh, you know contraptions that are there in the funhouse okay and everything uh, you know it it, it sort of reflects back to a kind of a a sexual experience okay now there is a gypsy fortune teller machine okay there is a gypsy fortune teller machine now it is otherwise a a part of the funhouse and like there are so many other kind of machines in the fun house but uh, you know everything um, uh, you know even uh, very uh, something which is just very mechanical also takes ambrose and uh, you know takes baths back to a kind of uh, uh, you know erotic fantasy and an erotic reminder okay now uh, look at the way he talks about the gypsy machine you know he says the gypsy machine fortune teller machine might have provided a foreshadowing of the climax of the story if Ambrose had operated it, okay? It would give you a climax of the story if Ambrose had uh, operated it, okay? And uh, look at the reference uh, in the next few lines, uh, how this, you know, gypsy machine, it gives rise to a certain feeling or a certain idea about an erotic uh, fantasy. And, uh, you know, this is about a mannequin. This is the fourth line from the top. If a man lived by himself, he could take a department store mannequin with flexible joints and modify her in certain ways. However, by the time he was that old he'd have a real woman so even the mannequin is looked upon as a kind of a sexual being and you can sort of manipulate and turn and twist uh, the body parts to be able to uh, you know make it a sexual being and uh, derive sexual gratification from that okay so uh you know everything and that's what i said you know um sex is almost a metaphor for language okay like we talked about the diving metaphor almost you know you dive it's it's uh, you know you prepare for it so much and you just jump into it, just like language, and just like the sexual experience. Okay, so um, you know this is what uh, he's talking about. Everything sort of going back to uh, you know sexual references, and yet being so very intrinsic to both the theme and the characters of the story. And look at the last line of this paragraph. You know, um, you know he's uh, you know, looking at uh, fish and soft crab and thinking about bolasks and all these uh, you know, creatures. And what he thinks about, he says, Magda would certainly give. Magda would certainly yield a great deal of milk, although guilty of occasional solecisms. It won't, it don't taste so bad. Suppose the lights came on now, okay, and what is he thinking about? He's thinking about magda, okay? Um, You know, thinking of the mammary glands and, uh, you know, giving milk. I mean, is that, uh, uh, you know, or is it also... a kind of reference to motherhood okay and uh, we do understand you know that uh, the you know milk uh, has many other meanings here okay it's not just probably uh, this kind of a liquid but there are references to many other body liquids in that okay and see how uh, you know Ambrose's mind and the narrator's mind go back and forth you know from the funhouse to mechanical contraptions and then to magda again which means you know uh, sex is a metaphor for language and sex is the metaphor for all all you know the motivations that take place in the story okay Uh, and the next uh, you know uh, the next paragraph uh, you know it talks about and see this uh, it's a very important line the first line you know uh, the day wore on okay in italics okay it's a dragging day it was you know it wears on it goes on slowly and you think you're yourself but there are there, but there are other persons in you, okay? A very important uh, uh, and a very deep-seated line. He says, you think you're yourself, but there are other persons in you, all right? Which means uh, the human being also, um, you know, sort of functioning on so many different levels, okay? And uh, you you are actually so many and so different parts, okay? You think you're yourself, but there are other persons in you, okay? And this is the... Uh, you know, this is the story of the discovery. Okay, that Ambrose is making about himself. Okay, and look at the next line again—a sexual reference to uh, to an erection. Okay, Ambrose gets hard when Ambrose doesn't want to, and obversely okay and uh, you know he uh, you know and you we understand the kind of age that they are in and these things would just come you know just take you unaware okay so when we're talking about you know deep seated questions of you know you are not yourself you are many others then there is again this flow of sexuality okay ambrose watches him watch okay see uh, so metafictional in that sense in the funhouse mirror room you can't see yourself go on forever because no matter how you stand, your head gets in the way. Okay? So how do you watch yourself in the fun house, which is so completely full of mirrors? And we understand that metafiction is very much like this sort of watching yourself in the mirror. And when there is a reflection coming to you, how do you understand that? And how do you interpret that? Remember, it is Almost like, uh, you know, fiction, writing about fiction. Okay, so he says your head will always get in the way. So you sort of have to, um, you know, uh, watch in a particular way to be able to get a certain kind of a perspective. Okay, and then uh, towards the end of the paragraph, you know, it says that Peter and Magda found the right exit. He found that one that you weren't supposed to find and strayed off into the works somewhere. Okay? So Peter and Magda seem to be doing, uh, you know, they seem to be doing the right thing while Ambrose is always getting into the wrong alleys, okay? And he gets somewhere, he strays off somewhere, and we do understand that the straying off was uh, so important for him to understand, uh, you know, what was going on in his mind and in his body, okay? The doors and halls would work like minnow traps or the valves in veins, okay? So uh, it says, you know, getting lost would be impossible, but Ambrose always ends up doing, uh, you know, freaky, strange kind of things, okay? And those are... Um, you know, very deliberate, obviously, by the narrator to be able to give us an understanding about what Ambrose is really thinking and what is he uh, or where is he really placed in this whole um, paradigm of the fun house. Okay. Uh, in the next paragraph, you know, there are references. Uh, remember, I told you that this is a time when the world war was, uh, you know, taking place and, you know, there are. Uh, you know, reference to German boats and um, you know Maryland. And remember, this is uh, Maryland is the place where Bartz, you know grew up and lived all uh, his life. Okay, and a lot of the metaphors, a lot of the references are uh, to do with this place. Yes, you must have seen Maryland fried chicken, etc. And uh, you know, he was deeply, uh, you know. Uh, interested or he was he was deeply in love with this place and there are a lot of descriptions to do with that okay now look at the third line it says okay a very um, sort of a metafictional in a short story about Ocean City Maryland during World War II the author could make use of the image of sailors on leave in the penny arcades and shooting galleries okay so he says if you wanted to write a, a short story about Ocean City Maryland you could make use of so many images which were to do with the war which were to do with the sailors which were to do with you know ships and periscopes okay and all these you see um are sort of, uh, uh, you know, diversions, which we might use the word diversion. But we know that the diversions are not, uh, you know, coincidental. They're not kind of accidental. They have, uh, you know, a deep-seated meaning. And that meaning is conveyed uh, through very small detail. And the fourth last line from the bottom, after dinner, the family strode back to the amusement end of the boardwalk. Okay. And, uh, you know, in between again, Bart comes back to, um, you know, sort of explain, uh, you know, where is the family and what are they doing and where are all the other, uh, you know, children. Okay. So you'd notice that, uh, you know, whenever you read any part of the story, uh, you know, there is an uh, there is an, uh, you know, there's an apparent author's loss of control. Okay. Sometimes you just feel that, uh, you know, things are just slipping out. You're not able to, uh, you know, put two and two together. But, you know, even this kind of author's loss of control um, is uh, sort of very uh, calibrated, if I may use the word. And along with the author's loss of control, there is loss of Ambrose, uh, you know, and um, as he stands in front of the mirror. You know, and what is the author's loss of control? It is uh, the loss of authority and control over the characters, over uh, the descriptions, over the dialogue, and that is mirrored in the loss of Ambrose as he stands in front of the mirror. And all these loss of controls actually point out to uh, you know a place in which you lose your control, and yet uh, you know that makes it also a very ideal place to self-reflect. And to be self-conscious and understand yourself, the identity of the writer and what kind of a reality the writer actually wants to convey to the readers. Okay, And, uh, you know, then, uh, you know, you can come to the third paragraph. It says, you know, let's ride the old flying horses. Magda cried okay and even uh, flying horses and uh, you know these kind of imageries uh, you know when we look at for example Freud and you know especially his interpretation of dreams uh, you know he talks of a lot of these um, images which have um, uh, you know sexual undertones okay so even flying all you know horses and uh, you know all these rides which you know uh, you know take you or, you know, put you topsy-turvy and put you in certain kind of positions which are not normal. A lot of them have many, many uh, references to, uh, you know, sexual experiences. Okay, And look at the next line. It says, I'll never be an author. You know, I'll never be an author. Okay. So how, uh, you know, these interpolations, these kind of, uh, you know, uh, interventions are made by Bath, you know, right in the middle of the story. And the digression seem, uh, uh, you know, to be telling you that there is, uh, uh, you know, there is a necessity. Uh, to deliberate on uh, how fiction is written, you know, and what are the motivations and what are the, uh, what are the issues that come in, you know, when you are actually uh, trying to represent a particular reality, okay. And uh, now, uh, you know, everybody's gone home and the ocean uh, city is very deserted, okay. And uh, the kind of experiences that they have and, you know, Ambrose uh, remembering and also not only remembering his experiences, but also looking at Peter, and Magda, okay, and how they sort of did uh, so well together, almost like adults, okay. Now look at the, uh, you know, second paragraph, the first line, one possible ending would be to have Ambrose come across another lost person in the dark, okay. Remember, take your mind back to uh, uh, the French Lieutenant's Woman, and remember, you know, Fowles gives uh, you know two uh, or three ways in which the story could end. Okay, uh, you know, giving the reader a sort of chance to imagine that there could be more than one way to end the story. Okay, so we knew one way was, uh, you know, uh, you know, both the protagonists are um, united. Uh, the other was that you know uh, the protagonist discovered that the uh, you know the woman was not a virgin and she was just uh, you know pretending to be a lost woman uh, and similarly look at the story you know he says one possible ending would be to have Ambrose come across another lost person in the dark okay so we forget about everything we forget about Magda we forget about all the adults and he says you know one ending would be Ambrose meets another person in the dark and not another person but another lost person okay which means two lost persons find each other and then Uh, you know, they come out of uh, that, uh, you know, that alley uh, or that, uh, you know, that part of the fun house, which was actually a wrong, uh, which was a wrong uh, kind of an exit. Okay. He says, you know, or, um, and look at the reference to like Ulysses, past obstacle after obstacle help and encourage each other or a girl, you know, he says he might meet a man, you know, like Ulysses. And uh, you see he the, the, he makes a lot of references to uh, James Joyce, okay. Uh, and he says, okay, but he may meet a girl, you know. And he says, uh, you know, when uh, he meets a girl, then there are so many other uh, new possibilities. By the time they found the exit, they'd be closest friends, sweethearts. If it were a girl, they'd know each other's innermost souls be bound together by the cement of shared adventure. Let's look at the, uh, you know, uh, a dramatic way in which he talks about how uh, Ambrose could meet a girl inside and they would be bound together by the cement of shared adventure. Then they'd emerge into the light and it would turn out that his friend was a Negro, a blind girl, President Roosevelt's son, Ambrose's former arch enemy, okay. Uh, so he says, you know, um, the, the, the fun house, you know, represents, um, a, you know, ability, and not just the fun house, but being lost in it, uh, represents the uh, opportunities of self discovery, and although most of them are absolutely delusional yes you don't know what's happening you think it's a girl and then you notice that uh, it turns out that his friend was a negro a blind girl or maybe you know the president's son or maybe ambrose's arch enemy so uh, you know the uh, the kind of things that you would discover and they were very very unexpected okay so very much like uh, you know what you would expect in a postmodern uh, novel okay uh, you'd, uh, you you would wait for something to happen and it wouldn't happen but yet it was happening in a very different way and you have to be able to sort of put your uh you know finger on the pulse of that way in which that work or that story was actually traveling okay so he says uh, you know in the funhouse and lost in the funhouse just could mean anything and there could be the kind of possibilities that you can never never imagine okay uh, you can just come to the next page okay um At that time, you know... uh uh, we know that Ambrose is uh, you know, lost, okay, he's um, gone here, he looks at, you know, different stacks of light that he can see but he still finds, uh, you know, that he is not able to come out and the mirrors, you know, instead of giving you, uh, you know, sort of uh, exact reflections, can we know that uh, you know, mirrors and the I- image of the mirror have been used by uh, philosophers to be able to understand and explain, you know, what is reality, even if it is like a mirror it's only a, it's only a reflection reflection of what is real, okay, the whole idea of, uh, uh, you know, things being mimetic and yet just, you know, um, uh, you know, reflections of what really is. So, uh, Ambrose being lost here becomes very symbolic, okay, and uh, look at the fourth last line um, of of the paragraph, okay, Uh, very, uh, you know, a kind of a metafictional and also, uh, you know, taking you uh, back to the mind of, uh, you know, the narrator, is there really such a person as Ambrose, or is he a figment of the author's imagination? Okay, are there other errors of fact in this fiction? Was there another si- sound besides the little slap, slap of thigh on ham, like water sucking at the chine boards of a skiff? So again, he come back to say, you know, who is Ambrose? Is he? is he a person at all? Does he really exist? Or is he just a figment of the imagination of the author? Okay. Are there other errors of fact in this fiction? Are we talking about As a Woman Bay or are we talking about uh, Sain-Pusek, which means other names of places? Are they really real? Okay. And uh, so you're taking you back to the fact that, you know, Ambrose maybe you know, just a figment of imagination. Ambrose may be a prototype of a teenager. Ambrose may be the narrator. or Ambrose may be nobody at all. Okay. So look at the next line or the next paragraph rather. It says, when you're lost, the smartest thing to do is stay put till you're found hollering if necessary okay which means sometimes you don't have to do much to be able to be found and if you're lost in a funhouse you know the owner of the funhouse doesn't want to lose his business where people are going to be lost and they're going to be suffocated and dying okay there's a reference to this uh, I think in the next page as well okay so what's more you find you might find your own way yet however belatedly okay see um and this is also very self-reflexive of uh, you know the the anxiety of an of an author of a writer. Okay, you being lost in your uh, thoughts about how to represent reality. And he says, you know, one way or the other, you might find your way, even though it may be belated. And look at however belatedly used in italics. Okay, so Barth's trying to say that you know being lost is uh, is metaphorical. It's symbolic, you know, of actually finding yourself. Okay, even though Ambrose may be sort of a figment of imagination but yet uh, you know there is uh, you know there is so much uh, more about Ambrose than just meets the eye okay. Um, In you know in the next paragraph again we get some more detail about Ambrose um, you know detailed about you know the kind of personality he is. Line number four people don't know what to make out of him. He doesn't know what to make of himself. He's only 13 athletically and socially inept. Not astonishingly bright, but there are antennae. He has some sort of receivers in his head. Things speak to him. He understands more than he should. The world winks at him through its objects, grabs grinning at his coat. Everybody else is on some secret he doesn't know They've forgotten to tell him. Look at the way in which Ambrose is being described. you know He says people don't know anything about him and he doesn't know what to make of himself. Remember when we um, you know I think encountered this in the second paragraph of the story he says, you know that he's so frightened of his voice that he uses it very carefully because uh, you know speaking to your own voice can actually tell you something about yourself. So he says he's very guarded he uh, is not bright he's athletically and socially inept look at the way these are italicized you know uh, this is almost uh, you know an opposite of peter who is athletic and who's you know socially uh, you know also very um, uh, you know he 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 he's well developed okay and Ambrose isn't but see what does he have he has antenna and what are these antenna they're some sort of receivers in his head things speak to him he understands more than he should the world w- winks at him through its objects grabs grinning at his coat okay so uh you know since he has a, a very deep and a very sensitive understanding of the world the world in turn sort of make makes fun of him and winks at him and all the objects also seem to be turning against him okay uh now uh, it also talks about his childhood and how he was baptized late uh, you know, one year later than uh, other children. He was put into a kind of, a, you know, Grace Methodist uh, protestant, um, uh, you know, religious upbringing. And he was sent to this kind of a school. And, uh, you know, he talks about, uh, you know, the experience that he had at baptism. Now, see, no child... Uh, at the age of one, would remember what kind of experience you had at baptism. Although baptism is done probably even, you know, when a child is few months old. And look at the way Ambrose um, is remembering the experience of baptism. Uh, and we understand, you know, that, that is, this is coming from, uh, you know, Bath, okay, and not so much from Ambrose. Uh, this is seventh or eighth last line from the bottom of the paragraph. When the water touched his brow and Adam's sin left him, he contrived by a strain like, like defecation to bring tears into his eyes but felt nothing. Okay, Look at the description of baptism, otherwise a very holy, um, you know, a, a sacrament, yes, which uh, you know, uh, all you know, Christians are supposed to go to to be able to be brought into the fold of God's kingdom because you're born with, uh, uh, you know, original sin, the sin that was committed by Adam and Eve, and you have to be baptized to be able to, uh, you know, uh, you can't be washed of that sin, yes, because that sin is going to be there, venal sin as you call it, but uh, you know, you're supposed to be cleansed, okay? And see what does uh, the child do? He contrives by a strain like defecation. Let's look at the description you know as though he has a bowel movement okay and uh, he tries to bring tears into his eyes but felt nothing okay and uh, this whole idea of uh, you know religion and a catechism and teaching you about faith etc uh, you know most of the time probably children don't understand anything about him and by the time they grow to a certain age they are already so indoctrinated that they take everything that they are told as sort of gospel truth okay so um, see the last line of the page of the paragraph you know he says the world was going on this part ought to be dramatized the irish author james joyce once wrote okay so uh, his reference to james joyce and he says you know uh, ulysses was a strange uh, novel but it's available everywhere okay and um He's coming back to it all the time, you know, back and forth. Whenever he talks about, um, you know, Ambrose and his experience. Okay, so by now, uh, we've come to understand, you know, that Ambrose is not, uh, you know, is not an ordinary child. You know, he he uh, is different, and he has these antennae. Uh, you know, which teach him a lot about the world, and yet the world, you know, sort of mocks at him because um, of the nature that he has, okay? Uh, Now, coming to page uh, 13, the first line uh, of the page, um, now this is about... um, you know sensory detail and remember when we talked about uh, uh, detail we were talking about all kinds of descriptions of uh, physical appearance and mannerisms and what was the reason for that the reason was actually to build upon character now what does Barth say here Barth says there is no texture of rendered sensory detail for one thing you know he says uh, how do you describe sensory detail is there a texture to it is there a very definitive kind of way to be able to describe that and even if a writer has at uh, you know his disposal all literary conventions and all uh, abilities to be able to use language in the best way i mean is there a texture of rendered sensory detail okay and then you know he says that there's a fading uh, distorting mirrors beside fatme remember fatme is a laughing woman who uh, you know attracts people to the fun house and also uh, you know for ambrose uh, and probably many of his age uh, instill certain kind of erotic uh, uh, you know uh, sort of um, ideas about going into the fun house okay uh, now See, in this this paragraph, again, the reference to, uh, you know, uh, blowing up women's skirts so that you can see their, uh, you know, see the clothes, you know, their, um, their unders, uh, pants, etc. And this is what is going on all the time when we talk about the funhouse, okay. In the tumbling barrel, okay, look at the kind of... Uh, You know, different contraptions that you have in uh, these fun houses. In the tumbling barrel to just inside the devil's mouth entrance to the fun house, the girls were upended. And their boyfriends and others could see up their dresses if they cared to, which was the whole point Ambrose realized of the entire fun house. So he says the entire idea about the fun house is actually to do mischief and uh, you know to have lovers go and do all kinds of things where they can actually have a vent to their sexual fantasies. And he says that is the whole point, okay. And we're looking at uh, you know, sex as metaphor for language, okay, and how the whole thing sort of begins, gets created there, and gives rise to so many ideas about sexual fantasies, about sexual exploration, and sexual um, experience, okay. So he says, which is the whole point, and uh, you know, the last line of the paragraph, you know, it says, uh, if you had X-ray eyes and could see everything going on at that instant under the boardwalk and in all the hotel rooms and cars and alleyways, you'd realize that all that normally showed, like restaurants and dance halls and clothing and gesture strength machines, was merely preparation and, intermit- uh, and intermission. Fat May Because He says, everything that you see in the world, in hotel rooms, in cars and alleyways, uh, in 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 um, you know fun houses in restaurants, he says everything is a mere preparation for sex, for sexual encounters, and he says it was merely preparation and intermission. So you prepare and then there is sexual enc- there are sexual experiences and then you have an intermission and then you have it again remember he talked about uh, you know uh, the the you know how all these women were receiving the male organ and that was how the whole world was continuing in its uh, existence and language was also being created and developed through uh, this idea about um, sexual experience okay um, and if you can come to the last paragraph of the uh, page, uh, uh, you know, Ambrose is always very nervous. And, uh, you know, he he's always aware uh, about, uh, you know, Magda and her, uh, you know, her development in terms of uh, uh, physicality, in terms of her, uh, you know, sexual development and understanding. And see the last uh, paragraph, the first line. Naturally, he didn't have the nerve enough to ask Magda to go through the funhouse with him with incredible nerve and to everybody's surprise he invited Magda quietly and politely to go through the funhouse with him look at these two statements okay so very sort of contradictory we know that he is lost somewhere alone and yet uh you know there is this reference that he doesn't have the strength to invite Magda and yet to everybody's surprise he does okay and uh, you know I warn you I've never been through it before he added laughingly easily but i reckon we can manage somehow the important thing to remember after all is it's meant to be a fun house you know and this is what i was talking about uh, you know the next page uh, look at the last line of the first paragraph no character Um, uh, sorry uh, about the amusement park he says you know if people got lost or injured or too badly frightened uh, the owner would go out of business so a fun house is meant to be a fun house nothing very serious about it Uh, and see the last line of um, this paragraph it says no character in a work of fiction can make a speech this long without interruption or acknowledgement from the other characters. See, very metafictional. Yes. He says, uh, you know, no character, he says such a long speech has been made, but he says no character of fiction can make such a long speech without interruption or acknowledgement from the other characters, which means, uh, uh, you know, these kind of, you know, intermissions, these kind of interruptions are, uh, you know, so, so. They're so essential. Yes, they're so important. Why? Uh, uh, Because the writer, the narrator, the voice has to intervene. Yes, to be able to remind the reader forever and ever that you're not, uh, you know, in a real world, you're only reading a work of fiction. And you also have an important role to play when you delineate character, when you understand environment and when you understand the motivations for which the writer, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, he planned this whole project of writing this work. Okay. Uh, so um, thank you. And this was what I actually intended to cover for today. And I, I hope, I think uh, we, I am on page 14. And uh, we have, uh, you know, another, I think that's page 18. So I'll be able to finish this um, in my next class. Uh, Thank you. And I'll be sending you the podcast in a while. Um, Sorry, of course, this wouldn't be uh, probably like the lecture in the class. But um, for want of a better way, um, I I hope this is okay. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. And uh, bye-bye.